Hey everybody, my name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at the church, and I want to wish you a happy Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. If you're watching this on Sunday, that's the day before MLK Day, I also want to acknowledge and celebrate the fact that kids, both young ones and older ones, are likely watching this service uh, in living rooms across Atlanta and further beyond. We're just so glad to have young people and old people watching church on a weekend like this. Dr. King, you hear us talk about him regularly here at Trinity, is the favorite son of Atlanta, in my opinion. And I think that right now, maybe more than at any other time, uh, we need to look back and remember where we come from and specifically remember the legacy in Atlanta of justice and reconciliation. And Dr. King's voice for nonviolent resistance, I think, is so prophetic and timely for us now. So I hope that with friends and family that we'll be able to sit, take some time on Monday to celebrate the life of a really remarkable man who I believe has much to teach us even today as we move forward into the future. We're now going to read from the Bible, John 1, beginning in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then let's jump in and see what we can see. Holy Spirit, we ask you today to, to allow us to be truly present to your word. We pray that we would hear and see things here, both about you and about us, that would move us toward you, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you would give us the grace to sit together wherever we are, at home, in our car, on a walk, wherever it is that we're engaging this time together, and remind us that we're the church. And that you're our head, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So there are just a few things in this passage that I want to bring out and put before you today. Things that I hope will give us some pause for reflection. The first one's this. Philip is the only named person in this gospel who is sought out by Jesus. Now, Jesus interacts with tons of people. He even calls a lot of people to follow him. But Philip's the only one mentioned by name who Jesus actually pursues himself and says, I want you, I saw you, I know you. And I find this to be really important for us because Philip and Nathaniel, the other named person in this passage, neither of them are mentioned very often or very frequently in the gospel. And when they are, Philip's oftentimes out of his element. He's kind of overwhelmed. Philip doesn't come off as a, a really impressive or noteworthy disciple. And Nathaniel's only mentioned one other time in this gospel, just in a list of fishermen with Jesus. What does that tell me? I think it tells me this. 
While many of the apostles were really impressive, extraordinary, remarkable leaders, these two, by all accounts, ordinary Joes, normal people. And yet Jesus pursues them, calls them, and invites them in. And if you're anything like me, this is really good news. Because oftentimes, especially in our modern age, we, we think that really all the attention should go to really impressive people, really high capacity people, people who might say something worth listening to. And yet here we see Jesus seek out and pursue normal, ordinary people. And so if you feel like an ordinary person, like most all of us do, this is really, really good news. See, I think if we're not careful, we'll begin to believe that the world favors impressive people, so therefore God must just favor impressive people. And I just want to say to you, that's just fundamentally, categorically not true. When Jesus looks at us, young and old, rich and poor, successful and struggling, he sees people who are worthy of his affection and his attention and his pursuit. And some of us have been told since we were knee high to grasshoppers that we were meant to pursue God. Well, I just want to say right here, Jesus is pursuing normal people. And today, whatever it is you're going through, wherever it is that you are, Jesus pursues you. You're worth pursuing. God sees us. And so for me, Philip and Nathaniel are like the patron saints of normal people. So if you count yourself on that number, I think this is really good news. The second thing we see in this passage is that Jesus is not threatened by Nathaniel's skepticism. I actually love this exchange between Philip, Nathaniel, and Jesus. So if you think about it, Philip is totally impacted by Jesus. And he brings his buddy Nathaniel and says, we, we've got the guy. We've met the one who's the Savior. And as soon as Nathaniel finds out where Jesus is from, he says, how can anything good come from Nazareth? And you need to hear this. His question about Nazareth, it, it doesn't mean that Nazareth was some sort of enclave for outlaws or some notorious town. Effectively, what Nathaniel's saying is Nazareth is a small town. It's a backwater place in the middle of redneck Israel. And he's saying, how can anything impressive or important, meaningful come from such a place? And I've been thinking, we live in a world right now where we think the only things worth hearing come from really big megaphones or big platforms. And the fact that Jesus came from Nazareth, that he was born in Bethlehem, but raised in a little backwater town, I think it means that God wants to speak to us oftentimes from the very margins, from the edge. And if we're not paying attention, we'll miss it. See, Nathaniel in this moment was under threat of missing Jesus because he was looking maybe for something more impressive or something coming from a bigger platform. And I think sometimes in my own life, if I don't pay attention, I miss what God's trying to do in the small places, in the small spaces, then maybe you're the same See, the more distracted we are, the more busy we live our lives, the more we're looking for something big or needing someone to shout us down in order to get our attention. And maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're thinking, if God's going to get my attention, he's going to have to like knock me down. We may miss the Nazareth moments. See, Jesus came from a small place. Jesus spent very little time in Jerusalem. When he went to Jerusalem, he got himself killed. He did most of his work in little backwater places. And I would argue that for you and me, most of the work of God, 
most of the stuff God's going to do and say, these things are going to happen around the edges of our life. They're going to happen in the routine, in the mundane, in the monotonous. Don't just look for mountaintops. Learn to see Jesus in those Nazareth moments, in those small, out-of-the-way places, the places that are easy to miss. But when Nathaniel's skeptical, does Jesus become threatened? Does he get angry? When you're skeptical, is Jesus threatened? Is he angry, defensive? No. He looks at this fella and he says, Nathaniel, you're a straightforward Israelite. He actually commends him for being an upright guy. One translation reads this, and this is an obscure translation, but you'll follow me, I think, if you listen to what I say. One translation says, Jesus says, here's a true Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. And that's a reference, Jacob, to that trickster, that swindler in the Old Testament. See, Jacob was a guy that was always working the angles. He was deceitful at times, even would tell uh, falsehoods in order to get his way. He was a shifty guy. And one of the things that we see in this word about in whom there is no deceit is that Jesus is saying, you're not a shifty guy, Nathaniel. You may be skeptical, but you're straightforward. You're calling it like you see it. And I want to show you who I am. That's what Jesus does in this moment. And so when he calls this guy out and says, you're an upright fella, even in your skepticism, Nathaniel responds with a question, and that's the third movement in this passage. He says, how do you know me? <laughs> I found myself asking that question lately of God a lot. Jesus, do you really know what's going on inside me? Do you really know me? Or do you just measure me up? See, we live in a world where people are going to measure us and they're going to weigh us and they don't know what's going on inside our hearts. And oftentimes we feel really disappointed at being misunderstood or maligned or just judged by appearances alone. And Nathaniel here looks at the Son of God and he says, how do you know me? And I think under that there's a deeper question, maybe a question that all of us ask. Do you know me? Do you know who I am? And I don't think it's wrong for you to ask that question of God. God, do you know me? Jesus, do you really see me? Jesus, do you really know what's going on inside? Jesus doesn't shame him. The fourth thing that we see in this passage, Jesus looks at this guy and he says, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree. Here's another way to phrase it. I saw you, Jesus says, when no one else was looking. Most scholars agree, and I, I would argue that a common sense reading of this passage would affirm the following. Jesus is telling Nathaniel that he saw him sitting under a fig tree in a solitary moment when his heart was open to God. He's basically saying, I've seen you connect to God in the past when no one else was looking. See, in the Jewish story, certainly at the time of Nathaniel in Jesus' life, a fig tree would represent home. It's a really important symbol, actually, in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish culture. Fig trees were oftentimes also places where devout people would sit in the shade and read and pray and seek God. And here Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, I saw you when you were alone opening up your life to God. And I want to say the same thing to you. In those moments in your life where you have been open to God, Jesus sees those places. He sees those times. And I find it really interesting that Jesus chooses a moment of openness to say, I saw you, Nathaniel, not a moment of sin. And surely Nathaniel, like the rest of us, would have had his high points and his low points, moments when he would be open to God and moments when he would have been maybe giving himself to something darker than that. Here's the thing to consider. 
I believe that God doesn't measure us by what we do or say at our worst. I think he actually wants to say, I see you in those spaces when we're most open to him. And one of the great challenges that many of us face these days is a kind of perpetual shame about where we were or what we said or what we did when we were at our furthest from God. And yet Jesus, when he looks at this fella and he says, I saw you sitting under the fig tree is saying, I saw you when you were most open to me. And maybe if we began to believe that God sees us and calls us out when we're most open to him, we'd be more open to living our lives with hope and moving toward God and moving toward one another. And I love it. One of the questions that we have to answer and maybe ask God, ask ourselves, is do we believe that Jesus truly sees us and knows us and wants to know us, not just at our worst, but maybe when we've been at our most open? Here's how the passage ends. Jesus said, you believe to Nathaniel because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. Then he added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Here's where I want to leave it. The last movement in this passage is this. Jesus invites us to experience greater things. So what's this mean? I think it's a remarkable reminder that God wants you to be personally known and to know that you're known by him under the fig tree all alone when no one else is watching. And he wants you to move beyond yourself. See, it's a both and. I'm known by God and I move beyond that while not letting go of that. See, those angels ascending and descending, that also involves Jacob. Now remember, earlier in the passage, Jesus looked at this fellow and said, there is no Jacob in you. But it's interesting that at the very end, he references Jacob's life-changing encounter with God that moved him beyond what he was to become someone new, something different, something better, someone more attuned to what God was doing in him and around him. I think he wants to do the very same thing for us. He wants you to know that you're loved and known and seen in the solitary moments. And he also wants you to see and believe that he's doing more than we could ever imagine, more than just your own personal walk with God that plus God moving and working in the world around us. Here are a few questions I want to put before you for your consideration. And I know that many of us are gathering in groups. This might be an opportunity to hit pause and discuss these things. Some of you are doing this watching church all by yourself. This might be a great opportunity to journal and spend some time asking these questions. They're going to come up on the screen. You can pause if you'd like. Number one, do I have an imagination for God speaking to me in small things? Can Jesus from Nazareth find you in the little spaces? Number two, I'd like you to reflect on the notion of being personally known by God. Does this idea resonate with you? Do you struggle sometimes to believe that you're really known by God? I'd like us to talk about that or reflect on that. And finally, what does it look like for you right now to be known by God? and see greater things? Where is God inviting you to cultivate friendship and then hope for something? Maybe this is an opportunity to name a hope, something you'd like to see God do bigger than just friendship with him, connected to your world, your friendships, your life, where you're spending your space. And now as we conclude, I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. We're thankful to have you with us today. Amen.